Hello and welcome to the Last Call podcast. My name is Jamal and I am joined here, 800 kilometres away, Ashley Hetherington. Hello, how are you? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> in Melbourne, um, <laughs> in lockdown. In lovely, lovely Canberra, we can do whatever you want. Go to the pub, sit outside and have a beer, watch the footy on the TV. Is there is there a limit in the pub? Uh, I don't think it's a people limit. I think it's a space limit. I reckon we're at two, like two square meters per person. Oof. So if your bar is located in a gym, just pack everyone in. <laughs> and if it's outdoors but slightly undercover, pack everyone in. But if there's a door, fuck them. Yeah, and at a house, have as many people as you like. Set up a projector in your backyard. Have the granny on. Charge five bucks a head. You'd be a millionaire. Then Ash started a. Sports blog in 2011, and we decided nine years later, after you texted me at what must have been 11:30 at night, being like, "Hey, remember that sports blog we did?" <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think I've been at the pub since when I knocked off work at 10 past five until 10:30. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a sober decision to relaunch the the blog, but yeah, for I mean, it's not a sober decision to do the blog now, so. No, it isn't. Um, formerly known as Need to Know Sports, rest in peace, followed by the official Essendon Football Club Twitter. <laughs> we, we are. I thought you meant rest in peace, followed by the official Essendon Football Club, because that's pretty much what we are. No, rest in, rest in peace, the Essendon Football Club, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> I mean... We're at rock bottom, but Hawthorne do seem to be trending that way. So I would just mark this date in your calendar, you know? Yes, yes. Yes, we will. Um, yeah, we're just two dudes drinking and talking about sports. Probably mostly footy. Um, we're mildly across other sports. So don't, don't come here for in-depth sport analysis. You come or here... You. Ah, speak for yourself. <laughs> you come here for the beers and you come here for someone talking shit about Bruce McAvane. Considering we're doing this podcast while we're hammered, we definitely suggest that you listen to it while you're hammered. Yeah, otherwise it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, I doubt it'll be funny anyway, but it may reduce the number of one-star reviews. You reckon we'll get star reviews? When, when do you reckon? <laughs> right, I mean... Zero listens is probably going to result in zero star reviews. But yeah, if we happen to get a listen, please be happy. But it won't result in one star reviews, which is arguably worse than no star reviews. I would prefer no reviews than one one star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're just aiming for... Although it would mean that we've had a listen, though. So. I'm going to bump this listen. I'm going to chuck it on my sleep. Playlist on repeat. We're going to get to the top of a billboard. All right. Spotify recognise if the same person listens to something a hundred times. Ah, tell that to, you know, ah, like a BTS or a Drake or a Justin Bieber. I thought you were going to throw Nickelback under the bus there because I was going to say, I happen to know both you and I have listened to our fair share of Nickelback in the day. No, no, no. I bought the one CD. I bought the one after their debut album. And it's just on replay. Mate, mate, I've seen them twice live. How is Chad Rogers live? Chad Kroger. 
<laughs> Who's Chad Rogers? Who is Chad Rogers? I'm going to have to look that up. Chad, surprisingly enough, he sounds exactly like he does on the album, which many people would regard as shit, but he sounds exactly the same. Look, I'm not going to lie. Early Nickelback, not awful. Yeah, the, um, the problem was they went from making good music to profitable music because they figured out that hard rock music doesn't make money and shitty radio-friendly, just generic stuff does make money. So they went from great to rich. I mean, if I could go from great to rich, I would. But here I am. You'd sell exactly. I would sell the farm, absolutely. I mean, this podcast isn't going to start out great, I'll be honest, but if we could do anything to get rich, I'd be happy to do it. Mate, we just started a sports podcast with two minutes of Nickelback. <laughs> well, to the common man, he's just cracked a BB. So, sitting Mate, in isolation in Melbourne, he's cracked his 10th VB of the night. Yeah, we're living. Um, all right. Well, we should probably start with sports, and we're going to start with the weekend's action in the AFL. Do we want to start? Jeez, they, they dished up some rough games. Do you, do you want to start with the bad game or the worst game? Well, that's the thing. The, the commentators were like, well, last weekend we had four arguably great games. And they were. The elimination finals and the qualifying were great. And then they I mean, three, had... of them, three of them were great. Geelong were pretty awful. Yeah, but, you know, you listen to any commentator and you think AFL was the second coming of Jesus, so... I mean, have you heard Pat McAfee, Ma- uh, McAfee, McAfee speak? He loves the AFL after seeing it mid-year. Yeah, but he's a Collingwood supporter, so... I mean... Eddie probably sent him a Collingwood jumper. Ah, yeah, for sure. A Hall of Fame punter, you know. But yeah, no, I actually think last week was a very good week of footy. This week, Friday night I thought was bad. Then I turned on Saturday night, made it to just after halftime. You didn't even watch the whole game. I didn't even see Collingwood's prolific comeback when they kicked three goals. They did kick three goals. Um, all right, well, we'll start with Geelong. We'll get the worst one out of the way first. Um, yeah, <laughs> when, when we decided to start doing this podcast, I was like, I'll take some notes. Um, and my first, you want to know what my first note was from Cat Darcy Moore, everywhere. First three minutes of the game, man couldn't be stopped. He was everywhere. He took, he took the note in the first 180 seconds and he didn't have a possession for the rest of the game. No, he really didn't. And I was, because I, I looked and I was like, wow, Darcy Moore is everywhere. You can't miss that hair, that flowy, bloody hair. In fairness, to him, in fairness to him, he was in Collingwood's back line. The ball wasn't down there. That, oh, no, that, well, that's not right. Oh, mate, the ball was there. Um, <laughs> the ball was there. The, the ball just kept flying over his head. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Uh, oh, actually, one thing I did want to note before the game actually started. Geelong didn't link arms to the national anthem. Don't know what that means, but I just noted it down. I'll tell you exactly what it means. It doesn't make a god fucking difference. Did you hear all the commentary the week before when Brisbane and Richmond played? 
They're like, oh, Brisbane linked arms and they were very serious. And Richmond were laughing and joking and Hardwick wasn't there for the welcome to country and the start of the national anthem. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't, but I'd like to think it does. The 2017 grand final when Adelaide did the power stance, Richmond were laughing and joking and they came out and killed them. Yeah, that's true. About the national anthem, just... Well, that's exactly what happened too. Geelong, Geelong kicked three goals in the first, like, five minutes. And I was like, well, this isn't going to end well for them. Yeah, I was cheering at the TV. As an Essendon supporter, I can't hate Collingwood anymore. Oh, but for me personally, I don't, I'm pretty indifferent to Collingwood. I hate Geelong. As a Hawthorne yeah, sport, listeners, as yeah, a Hawthorne sporter. Your childhood through the 2000s and the early 2000s. 2010, and you endured the brunt of the Kenneth curse. Oh, God. And he I was at the 2008 grand final. I saw Stewie Jew tear Geelong to shreds. Ah. And then the next, what was it, 13 games? You 13 games them? in a row. I reckon I was at every... Hawkins kicked outside 50 to win the game after the siren. God, that was a good game. No, he didn't. I don't remember. Also, yeah, when did Tom Hawkins become like an AFL leading forward? I swear he was the butt of jokes for five years at the start of his career. Yeah, no, he was only the butt of jokes for the first five years because he couldn't kick. It was the same with Josh Kennedy from West Coast. They both couldn't kick the goal. And then something twigged in them. I actually think the moment it twigged for Tom Hawkins was when he kicked that goal from outside 50 against Hawthorne. Yeah, you are. Goal kicking got exquisitely good. As did Kennedy's when he started this stupid stutter run up. The fucking Samba 5, 6, 7, 8 cha-cha. But no, Hawkins was incredible all year. His goal kicking would kick him from everywhere. And then last week in the uh, qualifying final... Couldn't hit the side of a barn. Correct. He just awful. Mm. Um, um, Cats had... I'll be honest, I thought Collingwood would win. After that win against West Coast, I thought Geelong were in disarray. They were pretty poor against Sydney in round 23. They were awful against Port Adelaide, I thought, at least for the second half. Hawkins looked to have the yips. Rowan couldn't touch the ball. Ablett looked finished. Oh. Yeah, look, I think Collingwood came off the, came off the um, West Coast game on a high and then were just like, hey... We'll turn up and we'll have a good game. And then they just didn't get off the bus. Collingwood honestly didn't get off the bus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That leads me to one of my points, actually. You clearly watched the full game. Yeah, unfortunately. Pendlebury and or Grundy injured? Pendlebury, Pendlebury was injured uh, last moments of the first half and started on the bench in the second half. Um, he started on the second quarter too, didn't he? Yeah, he, he wasn't. He got he got a little knock, um, but also like the commentators were making a big deal of him starting on the bench in the second half when they were down sixty to six. So like, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't just that he was on the bench for the first ten or twelve minutes, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't good, um, and like he obviously had and a knock. Like, Grundy was pretty awful in the quali- uh, semi final. I mean, Nick Nat is just about the best tap ruckman in the comp, so it makes sense that he might have beaten him. But the fact that 
when the game was on the line, Buckley threw Darcy Cameron into the centre instead of Grundy and keeping Grundy on the bench. Yeah, he hasn't had a good couple of weeks. And he got absolutely no, I mean, he got killed by Reese Stanley. Yeah, I used to think Grundy was the best ruckman in the comp, honestly. Better than Gorn when they were both he was. flying in the both in the All Australian side. I thought Grundy was just far and away the best because of his follow up skills, but he's been pretty ordinary the last few weeks and I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out that he's going in for surgery or yeah, well, that's, that's usually how it goes. They'll have a couple of off weeks and they'll be like, uh, he had X, Y, and Z and he needs to get surgery on his thumb or something. Yeah. Which, I mean, in fairness to Collingwood, if Grundy and Pendlebury are injured and Sidebottom wasn't there, who I think is clearly their top three players, Yeah. Um, the, the goal he's actually been pretty ordinary all year. Like he played 10 games for 14 goals and he's now trying to demand a pay increase from 800 grand a year. Mate, he needs to relax. He needs to, you know, he's good. Oh, well, Carlton have just dropped out of the race and his major suitor is now Essendon. Oh, God. You watch us pay him $1.1 million a year. Are you just turning into, is Essendon just turning into the new North? They've got a giant war chest and they're just going to throw it at whoever? Well, of course we've got a giant war chest. Everybody's leaving. Uh, um, but that's the other thing. We, we don't because we just paid all this money for Shield and Stringer and well, that's Kevin a, Smith. I thought he was supposed to be... Well, Adam Saad, but... Yeah, well, see how that goes. That's not going um, um, I've just looked up Grundy on Google. Nathan Buckley suggests hub life behind Brody's, uh, Brody Grundy's struggles in 2020. I mean, that I also read something about that, and it probably makes sense. For such a big guy, what is he, 203 centimetres, probably, like, the way he plays, which is so aerobic and so much like a midfielder, for a big bloke like that to back up and play every four or five days over and over and over, yeah, probably makes sense that he would be highly, highly fatigued, like, for little midfielders like Lockie Neal and Dangerfield and stuff to keep exploding out of the blocks is probably a lot easier than a bloke as big as Grundy that runs like them to do. Yeah. So I can see that, but at the same time, I can't accept with 90 seconds to go with the season on the line that Nathan Buckley would prefer a fully fit Darcy Cameron to a fully fit Brody Grundy in the middle against Nick Nick. Yeah, Yeah, against arguably one of the best Ruckman in the league. And I mean, I know they won, but I'm pretty sure they only won because Taylor Adams ran forward and made that smother. Through Which the I feel like a massive look through the past week. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Like, it obviously didn't help versus Geelong, but it also didn't help that... Uh, did you see both the Dangerfield's checks our goals? Yeah. As, I mean, much, as much as I hate to say it, Dangerfield is very good. <laughs> yeah, I think... And I had this argument with my dad last week, actually. I reckon the discussion for best two players in the comp doesn't include Lockie Neal. I reckon it's Dusty, Dusty or Paddy. Yeah. yeah. I reckon no. Lockie Neal, despite the fact that he's almost a certainty to win the Brownlow Sunday night, I, I don't think he's in the best two players in the comp when it comes to impact on games. No, and, and you saw that on Saturday night where 
Danger just, he was everywhere. Like he, he somehow got a clearance and hit himself up in the forward line on a spot up lead and then check side on a 300 degree angle. Like he was phenomenal on Saturday. We did manage to squeeze in three minutes of Essendon and Hawthorne talk in there. But one thing I did want to bring up. That would, that would probably be a feature of the podcast going forward if you didn't like that. I'd like, yeah, if you don't like Essendon or Hawthorne, maybe this isn't for you. Um, just, just one last note on Geelong Collingwood. Yeah. Because I would like to just sort of clarify something I said before when I said uh, in the Port Adelaide Geelong game, Ablett looked finished. Mm. In the John Collingwood game, Ablett had 10 possessions. Having said that, he went at 90% disposal efficiency, which means nine of his 10 disposals hit a target. And of his 10 touches, seven score involvement. <laughs> Mate, just imagine if you got 30 touches. I think this, this is the argument that people used to apply to Cyril that I don't think was quite warranted. Like you might, because obviously you're a Hawthorne supporter and he won you three flags. But I think this is the argument people used to apply to Cyril that wasn't as warranted as it is for Ablett. Like Cyril got 10 touches and probably 70% would be effective and maybe five or six score involvements. Ablett, every time he touches the ball, especially three times in the first quarter when the game was truly on the line, his quick hands or just like thinking under pressure and not being rushed, it was like Pendlebury-esque as the commentators rave about. And I don't know if you remember, there was one kick going inside 50 early on. I think it might have gone to Tui on the chest. Yeah. And just like most players would either sort of bomb it or kick it over the head or try and drill it to the guy in the lead. He just sort of sat it out in front and the bloke ran onto it and then kicked the goal. It, it's just, he doesn't need to have more than 10 touches to have such a significant impact on the game. And that's, and that's why I'm hesitant to um, rule Geelong out because when you have Gary Ablett as like the, I, I think of it as like a cherry on top. If you have Gary Ablett, if you have... Joel Selwood and Paddy Dangerfield running the midfield. If you've got Tom Hawkins up front, and then you've just got like a spare Gary Ablett just hanging around, and he's got such class and such poise to just like slow it down, and he would just hit the right target. And as you said, nine out of ten possessions um, hitting a target. Like it's most most teams don't have that. Most teams don't have one of the greatest players of all time as and like a luxury player. Genuinely. And that probably gets to the next... Well, the only other point I really wanted to get to from that game was I don't. I think it has been severely underestimated in the media and it's probably because everybody expects it from him by now because of what he's done in the past. But, like, everybody's raved about Dangerfield playing forward and kicking four and, like, pretty much winning them the game. And a couple of people have spoken about Ablett doing that. Mitch Duncan got tagged quite heavily by Levi Greenwood. It's so underestimated Joel Selwood's game. Like, the week before, his finger was so badly dislocated he had to have surgery on it. Yeah, he's tough. Most players that would, either keep, that would either keep them out the next week or two or at least considerably hamper his performance. And Selwood uh, was incredible. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's so tough. 
Um, he's never been the most effective or like dangerous player on the ground. But I mean, he, his ability to do what he did—he had 18 possessions and kicked a goal with a not a broken finger, but a dislocated finger. And I know it was put back into place, but he would have been incredible. It hurts. That shit hurts. Dangerfield has to play so much more in the middle. Duncan needs to have more of an influence to be able to win. Adlett probably needs to be the middle to cover for him. Like, his ability to back up off surgery eight days earlier, or seven days earlier, is unspeakably good. Yeah, he's yeah, he's tough. And that's such a cliche, and the commentators will run that shit into the ground, but Selwood is tough. He will always turn up for Geelong. And what, he's got the third most finals appearances, first most tackles, first most clearances, I think. Like, he's just... He's there. He's always there. That's true. Having said that, the commentators only seem to love him when he leaves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when he's, you know, got a tape around his head it's like god joel selwood's so tough yeah bruce and the boys do love him That's yeah it. Oh, oh. commentators what about what about the other semi actually one thing i do want to touch on not geelong or collingwood are related but ray chamberlain can't bounce the ball anymore and as a former umpire that's all i wanted to bring up because <laughs> i think razor is questionable as an umpire in general let alone he can't bounce the ball I have two things to say to this. <laughs> I actually think Razor, as much as he's obnoxious and a complete twat, I think most of his decisions are correct, which annoys like most of his decisions when they're... Because he tends to make common sense decisions rather than letter to the decisions. Mm. But more importantly, to your point, he's been dropped. Has he's he out. really? Razor Ray is no more this year. Wow. Didn't yeah, he's see that. There you go. Time for um, Matt Stevick to shine. Yeah, Matt Stevick, Sean Ryan, get around the boys. Ah, yeah, you know who can take a miss. Matt, I don't know if Matt Nichols is still around, but boy, you can take a miss. Uh, you mean the bald-headed flog? That's the one, number 15, Matt. <laughs> um, the, the bloke apparently got kicked out of the stadium for calling him a bald-headed flog at halftime. Yeah, God. I mean... Are they wrong? For legal reasons, yes, but... No, they're absolutely correct. <laughs> I, he, I've been saying that for years. He's just about the worst umpire in the comp. But I am an Essendon supporter, and I do sympathise with James Hurd that once called Scott McLaren a cheat live on the footy show. Yeah, well, how'd that go for James Hurd? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the worst moment of his AFL career. Yeah, that's true. Uh, James Hayden's been through a lot, and that's uh, that's all we'll say on that for now. Um, Saints Tigers. I didn't watch the whole game. I took a extended highlights watch this morning. But what did you think? Yeah, I did watch the whole game, and I thought St Kilda were pretty good. Um, there were in the first half, which I think is what really matters, because by um, it was pretty much decided, and it was pretty much like you knew who was going to win and the effort levels probably differed accordingly. But in the first half, I think that... So Richmond dominated like the first 15, 20 minutes. 15 minutes? Short quarter. Um, but then after that, St Kilda like had big patches where they were just completely on top. 
They just couldn't score. Yeah. And to kill the biggest problem, I think late in the first quarter and early quarter was their way forward. They kept just bombing high in the hope that is it? It's Max King, right? Max King would mark. I think it's Ben. I reckon it's Max. All right. You're probably right. Um, I also thought it was Ben, but then I heard Bruce and that calling him Max in the commentary, so I'm pretty sure it's Max. You're right. It is Max. <laughs> yeah. They kept kicking it high, hoping Max King would mark, but Dylan Grimes and Asprey and everybody kept Camden McIntosh kept coming out of the top and just spoiling it and punching it away, punching it away from him. Like um, their only goal in the first quarter was. Uh, Shane Savage from outside 50. Just Big a long from Shane Savage. Now, I haven't seen the distance, but it looked like it went 65 metres. Like, that was a massive thing. Oh, there yeah. Was a, there was a significant wind up at Metricon, but that was a mammoth kick. That was huge. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought St Kilda were actually pretty good. I think Brett Ratton is just at the best coach in the comp because I don't think St Kilda's list is good enough to be in a semi-final. I agree. And I don't think his list is good enough to take it up to Richmond. Um, but yeah, I thought Brett Ratton was a great coach back when he was at Carlton. Couldn't believe they sacked him for Malthouse, and it proved that way because Malthouse did nothing with that that's list. Just, that's such a Carlton move, though. Like, that's just so Carlton. I think the best two coaches to be sacked in the past 10 years are clearly Brett Ratton and Brad Scott. Brad Scott took North Melbourne to two prelims in a row, and you can see this year what their list is like. Yeah. Awful. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that, that's tough. That's tough on Brad Scott. Just imagine being Brad, and Chris gets handed the dynasty um, coach list, <laughs> and Brad Scott gets sacked for Reese Shaw. Yeah, and that's rough. That's rough. I I don't think he deserved that, quietly. But um, yeah. Oh yeah. Just a couple of takeaways from this game. I had um the tiger. Yeah, Tigers just took um took their chances. I thought Shea Bolton was super quick. He's super dynamic in that forward line. Um, you give him three shots on goal and he score four goals. Like that's just the type of player he is. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, a couple of other points I had, and you probably didn't get this if you just watched watch the highlights or even the extended highlights, mm. because kicking for goal was Joe Danaher-esque, but <laughs> Richmond so, so much better with Tom Lynch in their forward line. Like the week before against Brisbane, they looked lost. Jack Rewalt looked like an under-18s player. Harris Andrews dominated in the air. And then this week... They came up against St Kilda, who have one of the best defenders in the comp in Dougal Howard. Obviously, Jake Carlisle was out to go to see his wife with the birth of their child. Um, but Richmond's forward line just stretched St Kilda so much. Like, Dougal Howard looked second rate against Tom Lynch. He didn't kick well at all. I think he kicked, what, two goals, uh, five. He kicked two five and possibly kicked one out in the full as well. But he had at least seven shots at goal. Um, and I think as much as Brisbane will take confidence out of beating Richmond last week, 
mm. if they meet in the grand final in a couple of weeks with Lynch playing, I think Brisbane would be hugely nervous because Harris Andrews won't be able to dominate the airspace as well as he did playing on Maddy or Chol, as he will if he has to play on Tom Lynch. He's too small for Tom Lynch. Um, Tom Lynch is a big boy. He's big. What is he? He's, what, 200 centimetres? He must be 105 kilos at least. Um, that's uh, a big deal to bring up. 199 centimetres, uh, 99 kilos. Jesus. He is a big boy, but he's agile enough to get out on the lead. Like, he burns a lot of players. Like, whoever teams decide to play on him, he is usually either better in the air or better on the lead than, than them. Yeah. One of the two. They'll play air, aerial players on him. He's better in the air. And if they play quick players on him, he... Well, sorry. Vice versa. But you get, you get the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. The question is, is Tom Lynch going to make it? Um, he... I'm not going to say he accidentally elbowed Ben Patton in the back of the head, but he did go up for a mark and then kind of bring his arms down and then whack him. And he did knee Dougal Howard. <laughs> yeah, I think... See, th- there are three incidents from that game that people seem to be out- outraged by. The two Tom Lynch ones and the Cotchin one. Um, yeah, the Cotchin one. Where, where he, the Cotchin one where he grabs Zach Jones around the neck looked awful, but... When you, re- when you watch it in actual play, wasn't that bad. It's a high tackle. It's a free kick. That's all it is. Um, Tom Lynch won. When he elbows Ben Patton in the back of the head, that's probably okay. I'm going to say that's accidental, but it's the other yeah, one that I'm like a bit dicey on. The one where, he, where he knees Dougal Howard in the head. It's one of those ones where it's like, by itself, it's not suspendable. But the fact that he's done so many things like that this year, this is like his fourth offence. I know they got rid of the like loading points and the points carrying over and stuff, but when it comes to stuff like that, if you keep doing it and you keep letting him off because the individual incident isn't enough to report him, like he's just going to keep doing it and it's going to be no good for the game and then trying to get rid of it from the game like they're apparently trying to do. I agree. And I don't know why they got rid of the loading points. Um, just to bring up a, not a forgotten man of the Hawthorne 2000s, but that's very Campbell Brown-esque, where Campbell Brown would just elbow someone in back of the head or give a cheeky knee to someone on the ground. And because of these loading points, he Campbell Brown had a four-week suspension one time just for you know whacking Stevie J's leg. That's true. And not, not to completely make this podcast just Hawthorne and Essendon based, but it's also very Dustin Fletcher-esque. He used to do minor things like that all the time. He used to be the, a serial tripper. Hmm. Where if he did it now, he would never get suspended because it was just a little thing. But he used to just have so many carryover points that I reckon he missed 21 games in his career or something. Yeah, God, yeah. And that's... I mean, yeah. He played 400 games, so it was a fair career, but... Yeah, <laughs> Dustin Fletcher, fair shout. Um, what else have I got? Mm. Shane Edwards, yeah. I feel like he's been in the league for 400 years. Shane Edwards, I feel like, is one of the most underrated players in the cop. He's better than Cochin. He's the second best player at Richmond. He's great. And I feel like he's been great for his entire career. Yeah. And I feel like he's never got the accolades he deserves. I think he's better than Cochin. Like, he's obviously not better than Martin. No, far away the best player. And I still don't agree that Cochin's a Brownlow medalist. But technically, 
Cochin is a Brownlow medalist, and I think Edwards is a better player than he's ever been. Yeah, well, I feel like I think Cochin is uh, there only on a technicality. Yeah, both not Brownlow medalists. Uh, <laughs> no one had any right to take Job's Brownlow off him. He never tested positive. It was never proven. All right, that's for another podcast. On the balance of probabilities. Um, but yes, Shane Edwards, very good, very underrated. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, also, this goal line situation, did you, did you see that? Oh, the, the two ones across the two nights frustrated me because... The Floston one, I thought, was clearly a goal. Yeah. And I think the art guy clearly thought it was a goal. But wouldn't call it because the goal umpire called it a point. To the point where there was daylight between Floston's hand. You could see the goalpost in between the ball and Floston's hand. But he wouldn't call it because the umpire called it a point. He couldn't have conclusive evidence. But then, as 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 soon as you get the edge for Dangerfield's goal... Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, well, I mean, we, we trust the edge more than we trust our eyes. Like, if the edge one was conclusive, the Floston one had to be conclusive. He missed that ball. You could tell by his reaction when he turned around, he missed that ball. Well, and that's the thing. I feel like what's the point of having uh, this technology and, like, a third eye in the sky if they're not going to be conclusive about it? Like, that's yeah. the whole point. Umpires sometimes get it wrong on the field, but when you have technology, you can be conclusive about it. Yeah. And I, I know I'm not the first person to say it. We're not the first person to say it. But I feel like if you're going to use this technology to the extent that they are, get rid of the umpire's call. If you're going to, re- if you're the umpire and you're going to refer it to the third umpire, say I don't know. Let them decide. Yeah. If you are strong enough in your opinion that you know, do it. And that happened in the IPL the other night. Um, I can't remember which team he plays for, but Glenn Maxwell's team needed six to tie off the final ball. He hit a ball that landed literally um, two millimetres inside the boundary rope. And the umpire just called it. He called it four and they lost. Was it? Most umpires would just go for the third umpire and let technology decide. But he was like, no, I'm confident that that hasn't hit the rope on the full. I'll just call it now. If you can call it, call it. But, like, I feel like that's the point of taking If you're confident enough to call it, call it. If you're not confident enough to call it, let it go to the third umpire and let him decide it. Because, like, St Kilda Friday night, I know they didn't lose by less than a goal, so Richmond supporters will say it didn't decide the game. But that was a serious momentum point, that goal. Hmm. If they had a kick to they were back within, what, 16 points, I think? And they were coming. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that kills momentum. Yep, absolutely. And it's the same with umpiring decisions. And I know umpiring decisions can't be reviewed in real time because yep. it's, you know, but it's the same argument when people say, well, that single decision, like we were coming, we'd come from five goals down, we were going to be in front if that decision hadn't been paid, but it did. And it's like, yeah, I can see the argument that you lost by three goals, so it didn't matter, but I'm not sure it's correct. Yeah, because the game could have a completely different arc after that point. Yeah, and if you're going to have the score review, I'm sure, leave it to the score review. 
Yeah, and I'm the same thing. I'm the same. I'm the same thing in cricket. It shits me up the wall where a ball can be on Hawkeye can be exactly the same position, the exact same thing, but one is out and one is not out because the umpire said so. Yeah. Like if you're introducing technology to correct the umpire, leave his opinion out of it. Yeah, no, I agree. If if you if you take it to uh, a third opinion, I feel like it should be the third opinion's point. That's the whole point of technology. Yeah, exactly. It's like if a if a cop sees you speeding past him and he guesses what your speed is, but then refers it to the speed camera. He doesn't refer it to the speed camera and say, Well, I think he was doing eighty three in a seventy zone, but can you confirm? So you leave it to the technology. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And the and the cop isn't gonna be like, well, eighty three. Actually, we're gonna stick with the sixty seven that I thought he was going. Yeah. Okay. Speeding is maybe less. less Speeding is an exact science, and we can get through that. <laughs> Running a red light is the same exact. Ah, mate, you, don't even get light, <laughs> AFL prelims. Well, let's start with Brisbane Gold Coast. Brisbane Gold Coast. Wow, I've got it says GC here, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, Geelong Cats. Gold Coast for me. Uh, the Suns have made it. Matty Rowles made it. a miraculous comeback. That's how good he is. Rising star, are you kidding? Isaac uh, Rankin kicked a hundred goals in the past few weeks. Yeah, and they somehow kicked someone else out. Uh, <laughs> Brisbane, Brisbane Geelong. Give me your first. Brisbane answer. Geelong. All right, first question. Where does Danger play? Ooh, you gotta play. Ah, uh, you gotta buy him up forward. You, I think you gotta start him up forward because he's he's an X factor. You've just gotta start him. I think you start him up forward um, because that's what <clears throat> that's basically what they did against Collingwood, and then. Um, so, so your. Starting Geelong forward line is Hawkins, Dangerfield, Ablett, Rowan, Myers, Stanley? Or Stanley starting the Stanley's not, I think Stanley's in the rock. So who's in the middle? Duncan, Selwood? Um, Duncan, Selwood. Yeah. I think, because, Sel- like, I think, I genuinely think, well, as I watched... Um, last week's game, Selwood's a midfielder on his own. Like if you if Selwood can get a clearance to Duncan, there's your forward entry. And if you've got Ablett, Hawkins, and Dangerfield, Dangerfield's a like a second tall. Like he's not that he's not Hawkins tall, but he's he's got he is, hand, yeah. he's got leaps. Yeah. And I think if Geelong can do without him in the midfield and still be on top. Then I think Dangerfield in the forward line is fine. I think that's an X factor. I agree with that, but do you think a midfield of Selwood, Menegola, Duncan, Guthrie can beat the midfield of Brisbane with Neil, Lincoln McCarthy, McCluggage, Berry, whoever's going through them? Yeah, it's a fair yeah. shout. Brisbane have it's like not sneaky good. But you think of the great, like, great is such, great is such a word that's thrown around nowadays. But like, 
a very good midfield. Uh, like you think, Elite, you think yeah. Richmond. Um, but like um, that's a the Brisbane, good. The Brisbane one. The the sneaky thing about the Brisbane midfield is they're all really young. Like McCluggage, Berry, and stuff. We went to high school with in Ballarat. Oh God, yeah. Um, like Neil, obviously, is a superstar. Lincoln McCarthy's just come from no. Although he's a Ford, he doesn't really. Rayner goes through there. I guess Sorco sort of plays in the wing. Um, but I mean, yeah, they they are sort of a no-name midfield. Like McCluggage and Berry are, are both very young. Robinson really plays off half back. Well, that's the thing. I think you've got a lot of um, good outside-ish pieces. Like Brisbane don't have Joel Selwood. Joel Selwood is your inside outside. He will just get the ball and get it out to their best distributor. Brisbane uh, have Lockie Neal though. He's yeah. Lockie <laughs> is Lockie you, better than Joel? Would you Selwood? prefer Joel Selwood or Lockie Neal in your midfield? In this final, I would prefer Joel Selwood. Um, all right. If Dangerfield and Ablett were to play a hundred percent forward, would you still prefer Selwood? As in Dangerfield, Ablett can't come in the midfield. Like if, you, if you didn't, yeah. If you didn't have the option of throwing Dangerfield and Ablett in the midfield as those outside players, would you still prefer Selwood or you prefer Neil? I think context. I think with context, I'd choose Selwood. Um, at this, because Selwood's been there a thousand times. Selwood does preliminary finals in his sleep um and i think i genuinely wait, wait, wait. you say that how often have geelong been in preliminary finals since 2011 uh more than brisbane yes but i mean <laughs> that's, like, that's a fair point preliminary finals in his sleep i'm not sure that's true they have lost a lot of finals in the past few years they have lost a lot of finals, but I think they've been there. I think Brisbane Brisbane are very good, but I think they have a very young squad, um, which I I tend to overrate um, the idea of like young squads. It's like, well, they're just a very good team. They can do it um, regardless of whether they've been there. But like all across all sports, like it just shows that uh, sometimes the younger team just comes undone because sometimes yeah. the other team has a Joel Selwood or a LeBron James on there. Yeah, I, I don't think they're comparable athletes. I don't think they're comparable sports, actually. Even if they're comparable athletes, like LeBron is 20% of the team, Selwood is what? I agree. Team. No, that, that's just a, they've been to the finals oh, yeah, yeah. and they can drag the team. I do get your point, but at the same time, Lockie Neal played in a grand final, hasn't he? Didn't he win a prelim and played a grand final in 2013? Oh, with Frio. Mate, they played in the finals last year, both of which they should have won. Yeah, I agree. Jeez, Brisbane were rough last year. They were rough to miss out. Brisbane last year in the finals, in the qualifying final, they kicked eight goals, 17, and got rolled by Richmond. Uh, Richmond, Richmond, Richmond were a different class last year. Yeah, and, uh, and Richmond won the flag, yes. And then in the second final, they got beat by GWS. They kicked 11 goals, 14 and got beat by three points. And GWS kicked 12 goals, 11. So they had two extra shots in the uh, semi last year. Mm. Yeah, like so. I, it's, it's not, um, it's not a, like a big chasm as the way I'm describing it. I'm just saying, I think Joel Selwood 
And it's also, and that's the thing, you can't really be comparing one-on-one in a team sport, especially with 22 players around you. No, that's true. And like Neil and Salwood are different players. And I almost think it it might come down to that being the biggest difference or matchup between the two sides. Because I agree, I think Dangerfield will play probably at least 50% forward. Hmm. So it'll probably be Brisbane's key midfielder, which will be Neil, and Sel- and Geelong's key midfielder, which will be Selwood. Yeah, I think so, that's a ve- uh, that's a very good um, battle. Like that's a definitely decide. Like if Lock- if Lockie Neil overcomes Joel Selwood, like and gets the delivery forward that um, Hipwood needs. Yeah, obviously, if Selwood's got like. If Dangerfield's playing forward and Hawkins is forward, if Selwood's got like very clear entry forward, he's a good enough kick to hit those both up. So yeah, oh, and like, and you, uh, and that's the thing. That's why I hate comparing um, one person to another on a team sport. Is like Joel Selwood is the perfect clearance man to Mitch Duncan, who has a laser for a leg, um, and just hits Tom Hawkins on the chest nine times out of ten. Like that's true. That's true. Although Duncan did get tagged last week. Did Brisbane tag Duncan again, or did they tag Selwood? Or... Ooh, well, that's ah, uh, well, and that's where I think Collingwood went wrong. Duncan got tagged. Duncan got tagged by Greenwood, but he did have thirty possessions. Yeah, so I'm not sure it really helped. Well, that's the thing. I think, I think that's where Collingwood went wrong. Um, Selwood, you've got to tag. Like you've got to tag the. If you're going to get rid of, if you've got a chain of supply. And you've got Selwood, who goes to Duncan, who goes to Hawkins. The most effective way to ruin the chain of supply is to go at the root. So I think if you get rid of Selwood... I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, contested ball players, which are in and under the pack, are much harder to tag than outside players. I agree. Like, Selwood uh, on the bottom of the pack is much more difficult to stop getting possessions than Duncan running past them. That's very true. It's like when, um, oh, just um, a, a old Hawthorne thing when Cameron Ling tried to tag Sam Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against Bucks' decision to tag Duncan instead of Selwood or Dangerfield. I just think Collingwood went up to him. It would have been like in all those grand finals if you had a, like left Sam Mitchell and stuff to be and put real work into Hodge and Virtual off half back. Yeah. Because that were your real distributors and real ball users. Like if you put defensive forwards on those two, I think you do much better instead of tagging Lewis or Mitchell. I agree, but you've got to have those... De- like, who are Brisbane's defensive forwards? Uh, That's good. That's one thing St Kilda did very well. That final against the Bulldogs, Jaron Geary tagged Caleb Mitchell. Is it? No. Is it? Caleb Daniel. Caleb Daniel, yeah. Tagged Caleb Daniel really, really well. Um... And obviously they won. So again, Brett Ratton, master coach. Yeah, I, he's very good. Also, I still um, St Kilda has to be the worst place to play because people will come to the team and be like, "Hey, who's Jaron Geary?" I still can't yeah. believe Geary's the captain. Like he's very yeah, I, good, but I'm like, captain. Well, it's true, but Essendon's captain played two games for the year, so. Mate, I couldn't even tell you who your captain was. Apple. I, Georgie Ma bet me 250 bucks in ninth grade that he would win a uh, Brownlow in his lifetime. 
250. 250. Yeah. Mate, I'll, I'll turn it into an IOU. Maybe we should invite her onto the podcast for a deep dive into Essendon. Mate, I, I think that's the way to go. I think we've got to get Georgie on. We've got to get Mitch on. We've got to get... Just, you know... Oh, mate, yeah. I need Mitch on. Bit of experts, just people that we know that are very passionate. Oh, God, yeah. Mate, what do the experts know? That's true. <laughs> As an armchair... The only, the only other thing I had to say about this game was the goal kicking is going to be crucial, I think. I reckon it'll be quite close. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Brisbane obviously last year had problems with their goal kicking. 8, 17, and 11, 14. Geelong in their first final had problems with their goal kicking. Hawkins kicked what, zero goals. Five yeah, zero five. five. One out the four. I kicked one eight from set shots, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So it will be a really important battle, and probably whoever kicks straighter will win next week, I would think. I agree. Um, yeah, I think I was going to say, and that's the other thing, um, Joel Selwood and Lockie Neal could have, you know, um, all-time games, and it's still up to Tom Hawkins to get the goal. Like, it's still up to the forwards yeah. to convert. Yeah. That's, that's the danger difference, though. Like, Hawkins can kick none, and Danger can kick four, and they still win. Mate, but if Hawkins but if Danger the, plays in the middle, and he, like, if he kicks none from the middle, Hawkins... And Ablett have to kick probably four or five between them. Yeah. And Rowan. Yeah. But like that's the thing. I um Patrick Dangerfield could be in Geelong and I'd still um trust him to bag a few of Metricon. Like he's just he is so good. That's a good point. He is I mean I would almost rank him better at impacting a game than Dusty just because of what he can do one-on-one. Like, I know Dusty's incredible one-on-one, but I reckon Danger would be a better mark one-on-one. I think overall package, I think Dusty's better in and around the midfield. I think you've got... Danger just has that versatility. Like, he's he's tall, he's got great hands. He's quicker. He he's can't miss a goal. Those two checkside oh. goals, I was like... No, no, no. No, his goal kicking is abysmal normally. His, um, um, his, those two check sides were very good, but his goal kicking normally is his biggest letdown. Oh, yeah, I'm not talking set shots. I'm thinking he's got that um, Jason Akamatis factor. You put him 15 metres in front, he'll spray yeah. out the full. You put him um, in row Z in um, tier four on the MCG, when it counts, he'll knock it down. I think the last bit you said is what matters the most. When it counts, I reckon he would kick it from anywhere. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the thing. And and more than anybody that is... How many the finals? 22 from each side. So 88 players. Out of all 88 players, he is the one that wants to play in the grand final the most. That's a big... It's a big legacy game for Patrick Dangerfield. He's, He's played the most finals ever without playing in a grand final. He's done. He's done not much. And if it doesn't happen this year, Ablett retires. Harry Taylor probably retires. Like they've almost oh, missed. Yeah, the no, yeah, no, that team's not young. This is this is a now or never moment. I feel like. Um, yeah. As as I, much. As I love... the... No, go on. I've been, I've been hearing a couple of people say, "What's the best story of the finals? Like for winning it." Yeah. 
as much as I hate to say it, I think the best story is Geelong winning it. Between Ablett winning it in his farewell year and Dangerfield finally winning one, I think that's the better story than anything else. You're right. I hate that you said that. Because I, I think Brisbane have another shot. I think Port Adelaide have another shot. Richmond have won two of the last three. Geelong is the best story for mine. I hate Geelong, so I'm biased. But So why? I don't want them to win it, but I think it's the best story. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, uh, Dangerfield is very good, and I think um, he's a surefire. I don't know how that AFL Hall of Fame works, but... Oh, yeah, he'll be a Hall of Famer, sure. Yeah, surefire. But, like, if they win this flag, like, he is... I, don't, I also I mean, don't know how it works. He he's a Hall of Famer, like, there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Port Adelaide, Richmond. Port Adelaide? Yep. Um... What do you reckon? What's who's your tip? It's tough. I I was talking to my dad earlier today um, about Port Adelaide Richmond, and it's the Richmond have been there for the past two out of three seasons. They've been the thing about Richmond. I think is they're tough. I don't think Port Adelaide has the the mental fortitude to um, put it kindly. Like, I think if Westhoff and Dixon don't get the service that they need, they're kind of just, eh. Um, Westhoff's in the team. No, uh, who am I thinking of? Dixon and... Yeah. Why did I say West? Oh, Westhoff's retiring. That's why I thought Westhoff's Westhoff. retiring, trying to get back in the team, not getting back in the team. No, Westhoff isn't getting on the team. Um, but yeah, if they don't get that service, like, I don't think... Charlie Dixon doesn't have um, the, and I know he's a key forward, but the game changer in him to truly affect the match. Um, and I think he's like Charlie Dixon's one of their best players, and to have him stuck so forward in that, um, so deep in that forward line. Um, yeah, if they just don't get the ball to him, like it's um, tough to see them. Pull it out. And Richmond, Richmond is just good. And they have been, which is annoying. <laughs> Interesting. See, I'm not sure I agree with you about Charlie Dixon. I think he's a genuine match changer, match mm. winner. I agree. He can't, he can't kick. Well, and that's the thing. Like, he's, he's got to... He's, he has to, A, convert. Like, that's... And I think that's the thing. Um, oh, where are his stats? Uh, keep going. I'm going to find Charlie Dixon's stats. Yeah. No, I think almost the most important player in the Port Adelaide team on, what is it, Friday night? Um, yeah. Is almost Todd Marshall. He almost needs to play the full Billy Brownless to Gary Ablett decoy role and take, yeah. who is it, David Asprey away from Charlie Dixon so he can be one-on-one. Because I think if he plays one-on-one against... Um, Dylan Grimes, I think he kills him because he's stronger. But hey, the Richmond defenders play so well together, two on one, three on one. If the Port Adelaide defenders all run away and make their defenders accountable, I think Charlie Dixon will destroy whoever he plays on. But the Richmond defense teams tends to be tends to be such a team defense. I agree, and I think um, yeah, the key is there. If you've you've almost got to play that old school 
um, not one out in a goal square, but you've got to spread the field. Um, to use a basketball term, you've got to like spread the floor. You've got to have um, Charlie Dixon one out because, as you said, they're very good team defense, and you'll just have Loston coming in. You'll have Asprey coming in just with that fist over the top, that Josh Gibson roll. Macintosh, yeah. It's genuinely like Hagen's paddock. I would play if I was Ken Hinkle. Mm. You just push everybody up and leave Dixon in the goal square by himself. And if the Richmond defenders want to start 20 metres behind their opponents so they can roll off, use the people that they're playing 20 metres off. That would be... I Actually, I probably wouldn't play them one out. I'd play them two out. I'd play Robbie Gray and Dixon in the goal square together and nobody else in the forward 50. Yeah. yeah you the gotta... other four all starting outside the forward 50 and rolling up. And then mm-hmm. bombing it in. So you get Dixon. Because even if he's two out, Dixon isn't going to get outmarked, at least not often. Yeah, uh, 100%. I think... I think so Dick- if Gray's opponent goes up against Dixon, he can just knock it to the ground and Gray will kick the goal. Uh, Dixon is bigger, stronger, and I think better than any um, Richmond defender one-on-one. It's, it's the thing that you said before, is when they get one, two, three people over the top, um, that even, the is good. Yeah, even if it's two on one, I think the majority of the time Dixon will get it to ground. So yeah. if you can have only two people inside the fifty, and Dixon can get it to the ground, Robbie Gray will be, be the only person on the ground, and he'll be able to crumb and kick off. He's so good, Robbie. Oh, remember that goal against St Kilda, where he just um, yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago. Oh, was he Carlton, wasn't it? Carlton? Uh, yeah, it was against Carlton, yeah. yeah. That, you know exactly what goal I'm talking about. But yeah, he, yeah. he just took it from the... Outside the boundary line, it was great. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, from last time Richmond played Port Adelaide, where Richmond won... Uh, sorry, Port Adelaide won by a couple of goals. And it was just about the best game of the season. It was very good. Port Adelaide just got over the line. Mm. Couple, of, couple of Richmond ins from the last game. Yeah. Cochin, Edwards... Prestia, Hooley. That's a couple of decent ends. That's four very, very decent ends, and I think Richmond will win comfortably. I think their premiership ends, though. They're like their... That's the spine of the team. Like, Cochin is a Brownlow medalist. No, he's not. I just declared (laughs) Wayne Edwards a better player than Trent Cochin. Um, Prestia was a very... What was he... Very high draft pick, wasn't it? Or very yeah, he was third to the Suns. Old Coast at least. Um, and then Basha Hooley was an Essendon player, and as always, left Essendon got much much better. Oh, Basha Hooley is also one of those players I think is very underrated for his entire career. I mean, he started as an Essendon player, which is why he was underrated. Yeah, well, he started from negative rating was his problem. Now he's just rated. Richmond's midfield is what? Martin, Cochin, Edwards, and then Port Adelaide's is Boke, Rockcliffe, Wines, and then the young kids, Rosie and Butters, and yeah. Robbie Gray funnels through, Brad Ebert. Um, I think they're both very good midfield, so I think probably whoever's midfield does better wins. Like Lynch and Rewater are a good one too. Dixon, I think, is one of the best forwards in the game. Todd Marshall's okay. Robbie Gray is probably the best small forward in the game. Yeah. Um, 
Port Adelaide's under-22s are probably the best under-22s in the comp. Yeah, I can't believe they got Rosie where he but, was. Yeah, but also Richmond's small forwards, like, they can cause havoc. Baker and Rioli and stuff. Oh, They've proven they do it in finals. They got 400 of them, I swear. Yeah. Just coming out of the woodwork. It'll be an interesting game. I think Richmond will win comfortably, but I hope Port Adelaide will. I think, I think for Port Adelaide to win, they've got to get their bottom half of the roster, like the uh, 12 through 22, have got to really yeah. step it up. Because you know Richmond's depth is good. I think Dixon's got to kick four for Port Adelaide to win. Yeah. Sorry. Dixon and Rosie have got to kick five between them. So Dixon to kick four and Rosie to kick one, or Dixon three and Rosie two, or vice versa. Yeah. Between them, we kick five. Yeah, I yeah, I think I think Richmond, um, yeah. kind of just t- yeah, not taking the woodwork, but their midfield is just like as you said, Shane Edwards, um, greatest player of um, AFL history. Uh, <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> but like Brownlow winner Trent Cotchin and you've got Shane Edwards who I think we both agree better than Cotchin don't got you dare refer to Trent Cotchin as a Brownlow winner hey. he's not a Brownlow winner neither is Sam Mitchell Joe Watson is a Brownlow winner but that is time for another podcast that is I think that's a whole podcast by itself <laughs>